Welcome back to the ABGC. This is episode two of season two, and it's named Doors. Scene, Station Operations Center. The door opens, and the mechanic leaves Station Ops entering into the hallway. Scene, Airlock 17. The door opens, and the mechanic walks in. On the floor, next to an empty spacesuit rack, is a pamphlet display. The mechanic picks it up and vanishes from camera view. Scene. The reception hall. The door opens, and the mechanic enters. He begins to pick up the pamphlet displays laying about the room. Soon enough, he has picked up more than he can hold, so he dumps them on a table and disappears into the kitchen doors. He reappears moments later with a food cart. He loads the small pile of displays onto the cart, then pushes it around the room, picking up several more along the way. After his collection is complete, he opens the door and pushes the cart out into the hallway as he leaves. Scene. Station Ops. The door opens, and the mechanic pushes the cart, forcefully and haphazardly, into the station operations center, then permits the door to close. Scene. Infirmary. The door opens, and the mechanic is immediately approached by the medical staff. The nurse says, Sir, I can't believe you are here. We were told never to speak with you. Is there a problem? The mechanic responds, uh, The Code Black, Morik. How is he doing? He is still unconscious. His O2 was running on reserve, one-minute interval rationing, for quite a while. We aren't yet sure how bad the hypoxia may have damaged him. I need to see his personal effects, the mechanic says sternly. I'm sorry, uh, we can't release any immediately. Yes, the nurse responds, certainly, uh, uh, right this way. The mechanic follows the nurse to a side room where he is pointed to a large container. The mechanic opens it and lifts out a few articles of clothing, tossing them aside, and then pulls out Morik's wrist computer. The mechanic turns to the nurse and says, These never leave with the personal effects without getting cleared through ops first. Oh, of course, the nurse says. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's just been so hectic with the, uh, I know, the mechanic interrupts. It has been a good long while since we've had to deal with a death on this station. I am authorizing the Aerospace Congressional Medal of Courage for each of the three patrol guards that died today. Their families will want for nothing ever again. 
It's such a shame that patrol got caught up in the live-fire exercise of our demonstration today. That is what your official report will say, correct? Yes, the nurse responds, that is correct. If it means their families are well taken care of, I will make sure of it. Thank you, the mechanic says. The mechanic begins to walk away, but stops and turns around, speaking one more time. Notify me when the Code Black wakes up. Do try to have a good night. The mechanic exits the infirmary, still holding Jason's wrist computer. The door closes behind him. Scene. Morrick's office. The door opens, and the mechanic walks in. He walks to the tall lockers and checks every handle to make sure they are locked. He walks over to the desk and checks every drawer to make sure they are locked. He reviews every single piece of paper on Morrick's desk. He sits and types on the computer terminal for a minute then gets up and pulls the power cord out of the back of it. He walks toward the door and exits. The door closes behind him. Scene. ABGC Commons. The door opens, and the mechanic enters the commons area. Most of the furniture in the room has been overturned. The floor is covered with a myriad of objects that have been knocked over or broken into small pieces. The ABGC pilots are all in the back of the room, sitting on the floor, backs up against the rear wall. They look up, responding to the noise of the door opening, but they say nothing. The mechanic slowly walks in, and shuffles his space boots along the floor. He occasionally sweeps his feet to either side, slowly clearing a path through the debris. The mechanic stops his approach, scans the room a bit, and then focuses on the pilots. So, I, uh, I see you did a bit of redecorating. The pilots don't even blink at the comment. They just hang their heads a little bit. The mechanic speaks again. Maybe that's why you didn't respond to the alarm. You didn't hear it over all the noise you were making while smashing everything into tiny little pieces in this room. The pilots still don't move a muscle. The mechanic takes a deep breath. There was a lot that happened today. I will grant you that. But you have one very specific job, and only one job, and that is to answer the call of that alarm. Screw the job, Joust says angrily. Our job is to protect humans. Humans that don't even want us around. 
humans that think we look like freaks even when they are the ones that made us this way, Rico adds. Humans that hurt us, Tara says. Humans that keep us locked up, Romer exclaims. Humans that don't keep their promises, Kit adds. The mechanic, without missing a beat, says, Humans that are dead now. Look, you're not wrong. All those things you just said are true. And if you wish them dead for it, well, you got your wish. A little taste of it, anyway. Dead? How many are dead? Kit asks with a concerned look on his face. Yeah, how many? Tara says. And why are you telling us all of this instead of Jason? Rico tilts his head and says, Why hasn't Mork come back to explain what happened at the reception earlier today? The mechanic shifts his weight a bit. Mork is in the infirmary. He is unconscious. Three station guards were destroyed when they went to the outer marker in patrol ships to investigate the alarm in your place. Hey, we didn't wish people dead. We were just too mad or too sad to fly, Jouse says. Romer immediately shuts down Jouse's conversation. Speak for yourself, Jouse. Those three guards were here to keep us inside as much as they are here to keep the enemy out. Maybe it's time we stop fighting for these humans. They seem so weak without us, and yet they want to own and control us like pets. And Jason, the mechanic inquires, is he one of those terrible humans too? I happen to know he has stuck his neck out for all five of you more than a few times. Romer begins to squirm and grumbles under his own breath a bit. Yeah, I do like Jason. He is nice to us. He doesn't count. The mechanic looks at Romer more sternly. Romer, do you really want a world with just you five in it and no one else? You've been complaining about how isolated your group is for seven years. How's that working out for you? I know, it's okay. Well, it's not okay. But it is a normal reaction. During troubled times, we all have a defensive instinct to surround ourselves only with others who seem exactly like us it's called tribalism. The worse life gets, the stronger tribalism gets. But if you act on it, well, you wouldn't have friends like Jason adding such rich variety to your life. Tara looks up and says, What exactly happened to Jason? Is he going to be okay? He is not okay, and I don't know if he will be. 
the mechanic states as plainly as he can. We all have a lot to discuss. This station represents an impossible situation for all involved. You and the humans. I bet everyone here would rather be any other place but here. Maybe try to keep that in mind the next time you trash your room and skip out on the alarm. The mechanic shifts his weight. And there will be more alarms. A lot more. Because that was a legitimate perimeter breach. And now, they know where we are. They know. For sure. One hundred percent. And they will be coming. What happens now? Rico inquires. One step at a time. For now, I I can share that there was a great deal more wrong with today than just your piece of it. Admiral Lockwell will be here in a few days. We will all have to figure out what our future is going to look like. Until he arrives, let's just try to find our way back to a routine. We could maybe start by cleaning some of this stuff up. Yeah, it's a mess in here, Kit says. The mechanic pulls the wrist computer from his suit pocket and types a few strokes. The mechanic looks up and focuses on Kit. You should know that Jason Morick did keep his promises to the best of his ability. He even pulled some strings to get some more items for each of you shipped ahead of schedule. They arrived on one of the guest passenger ships earlier today. The door opens, and a crate robot finds its way to the yellow square on the floor plates. Everyone's face and ears perk up as they begin to stand. Try to enjoy some of those nice things Mork got for you. It's what he would want, and we'll just hope he recovers soon. You know, it might be a good idea to watch the next Tribes of M19 disc. Oh, you know about that, huh? Rico says. Yes, and so does the Admiral. It doesn't matter now. It's probably better that we all get on the same page anyway. Tara looks up from the crate as her ears give a twitch. What is that supposed to mean? I will let the Admiral fill in all the blanks. It's a touch beyond my rank, the mechanic says. Rico snorts in protest and is about to speak when the mechanic interrupts him. Things are going to be very different for all of us. Seven years was a good run, but it's over now. Tara's ears lower slightly, 
and her forehead wrinkles up a bit. Then she turns her attention back to the crate. The mechanic pulls Rico aside and says, Rico, we need to discuss some new upgrade ideas. Rico's ear perks up, and his brutish muzzle almost manages a smile. Thanks for listening to Episode 2 of Season 2. More excitement is on the way 